0: Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word.
1: Why didn't he just say, guys, get out of here. I'm not going to curse the people of God. I won't do it. Why didn't he just send them on their way? Because look at all these prestigious people. These are important people. They come from the king. He's he's promising to give me, you know, all this kind of stuff. And maybe there's some kind of way I can figure out how to to appease God and, and, and do this too. That's what he's trying to find out. Is there a way for me to get God to let me do this, that I might benefit from it? And when it comes to prayer, right, the goal of prayer is to get God's will done.
0: This is a key concept in Christianity. If you're looking for a way to be successful in your faith and experience fullness of purpose, this is an Essential Mindset. As Pastor Bill will explain in today's message, the driving factor in your prayers should be seeking God's will. All too often, we come to God with our requests, and that's good. He wants that. But ultimately, those requests need to be submitted to His will for us. If they don't line up, we need to leave them on the altar in our pursuit of Him. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Numbers, chapter 22, for today's edition of A Transforming Word.
1: There are people that God ordains and calls to, to be wealthy and be rich. Let's praise the Lord, but don't pursue it. Particularly, don't don't pursue it as a, a life goal. Pursue God. Seek first His kingdom and all His righteousness, and everything He has for you will be added. If you're supposed to be rich, you'll seek God and follow Him, and you'll end up rich. If you're not, you won't. It's okay, you know. So, um, but that's the issue. That's the challenge. That's the problem in Balaam's heart is the enticement for the stuff is going to continue to call him. And so God had been very clear. God told him he couldn't go. He didn't go. He was obedient initially and told him, God didn't give me permission to go with you. And so the princes went back and they told Balak, hey, he he won't come. God, He's not able to come with us." verse 15. Then Balak again sent princes more numerous and more honorable. So the first time he sent princes, and they were pretty honorable guys, but the second time, he sent many more and more honorable. Um, he's sending people that are wealthy and rich and prestigious that that would be the draw. And so they go to him in verse uh, 16. And they came to Balaam and said to him, thus says Balak, the son of Zippor, please let nothing hinder you from coming to me. For I will certainly honor you greatly and I will do whatever you say to me. Therefore, please come curse this people for me. Now, God told him he may not go. The enemy is coming and saying, you need to come up at once. Please come up at once. And verse 18, then Balaam answered and said to the servants of Balak, though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. Now, therefore, please, now, therefore, please, you also stay here tonight that I may know what the, what more the Lord may say to me. Now, does he need to pray again? Has God already been very clear? God's been very clear. There's the perfect will of God. And then there's something called the permissive will of God, right? The perfect will of God, this is what he wants for you. This is his A plan for you. This is when you say, God, what do you want for me? And God says, I want that for you. Boom. The, the, the perfect will of God makes it clear to us. Then there's the permissive will of God. You pressed in. You kept nagging. You wouldn't stop. And God said, you know what? Go ahead. Go ahead. Fine. You want to go? Go ahead and go. Any parent here um, understands, I mean, your kid may want something. I, I know I was a master at this with my mother. Uh, I could ask my mom something and she's like, no. And I was masterful at, I just had to, you know, I, I knew how to pick the timing right. Catch her when she's in the middle of a phone call, stand in the doorway, real annoyingly, just waiting for her to acknowledge me. And then once she finally put the phone down real quick, ask her again one time. And sometimes just to get rid of me, she, okay, fine, just go. Woo, Got it. <sighs> That wasn't what she really wanted. She had already told me no, but I got it. Other times, um, you know, you mope around, just kind of look pitiful, just, you know, okay, mom, you know, and just, just kind of weigh on her emotions and everything else, and I, I, I crack her, and I get to go, get to go do whatever it was I wanted to do. I used to do that to my mom. Couldn't do it to my dad, but I, I used to do it to my mom. Now, once someone stated what they want, right, it's already, now, that's what their will is. If you If you get them the, fine, go ahead. You know, it's, it's still not what they initially wanted. That, that might be okay but it's apparent. You might, it might, no, might, might, not be, might not be life or death stuff. But it's a big deal when it's the Lord. When God has said, look, I don't want you. What are you doing with them anyway? And no, you can't go. Absolutely not. Now he's going to come back. He says, you guys stay tonight. Why does he want to ask God? Why, does, why doesn't he just say, guys, get out of here. I'm not going to curse the people of God. I won't do it. Why does not he just send them on their way? Because look at all these prestigious people. These are important people. They come from the king. He's, he's promising to give me, you know, all this kind of stuff. And maybe there's some kind of way I can figure out how to, how to appease God and, and, and do this too. That's what he's trying to find out. Is there a way for me to get God to let me do this that I might benefit from it? And when it comes to prayer, right, the goal of prayer is to get God's will done. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray in the, the Lord's prayer, you know, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That was the goal of the prayer. When Jesus prayed in the garden of Gethsemane about you know going to the cross, he said, you know, if there's any other way, let this cup pass. Nevertheless, your will be done. And so the goal in prayer is always, God, ultimately, your will be done. I can express to God in prayer what I desire. God, I really like this. I really would like that. I want that right there. But, but God, ultimately, I only want it if you want it for me. If that's not what you have for me, then I'll take no, gladly. Uh, shut the door. Tell me, no, move it along. I only want what you want for me. Your will be done. That's how we want to come to pray, because when you pray, you're coming to God who knows everything, right? I'm praying from a limited vantage point. I don't know everything. I don't know if this is the best scenario. It looks good to me right now. It looks like it can work out. So, Lord, if that's what you have for us, work it out. Let it let it work out for us. If not, shut the door. But But you know best. You're God. You're bigger than me. It takes more faith to pray like that than it does to do the whole name and claim it thing. What I'm telling God to give me what I want, what I can see from my vantage point. It takes more faith to say, God, I trust you beyond what I can see. I trust that you know best. And so Balaam here is going to go back to the Lord. Verse 20, it says, And God came to Balak at night and said to him, If the men call to to you, rise and go with them, but only the word which I speak to you, you shall do. Now, it looks like God changed his mind, right? First, God says you may not go with them. Now God says, you know what? Okay, if, if they come to you um, and they call you, rise and go with them, but only, only say what I tell you. Verse 21, so Balaam rose in the morning, saddled his donkey, and he went with the princes of Moab. Now notice it doesn't say whether they came or not. It just says he got up and went. Um, he, he, he had his green light. You know, he, he got up and went with them. But look at what 22 says. Then God's anger was aroused because he went. So someone will look at that and say, well, wait a minute. God told him he can go. Isn't God the one that said, well, if they ask you, then go ahead and go. But now God's mad. Now, I read this and I understand that God's God's anger is aroused. You want to be listening to this because if there's someone that you don't really want angry with you, it's the Lord. I can deal with y'all being angry with me. I can deal with the neighbors. I can deal with some friends and family being angry. But you really don't want to be going through life with the Lord angry with you. And so right here it says that God's anger was aroused. God gets angry. Some people don't know that about God. They think, oh, he's so loving and gracious, and he's just hunky, kumbaya, hunky dory, yay, yay, yay. No, God gets angry. There are things that thing is to make God mad, anger him. This angered the Lord that he was insisting upon this. And again, I, I, I wonder, you know, I'm not sure. Um, God gave very specific things. If they call to you, then you can rise and go with them. It just says, so Balak rose in the morning and saddled his donkey, and he went with them. So I don't know if God's angry because they didn't call to him and he went anyway, or if God is just saying, Man, this is the permissive will of God. It's not what I really wanted. I already told you what I wanted. But since you're insisting on going, you go, but I don't like it. And in your life, as you seek God for his perfect will, Romans 12, 1 and 2 is uh, it's just a key section of scripture for understanding that one, we know God has a, a perfect will. And in Romans 12, 1 and 2, he tells us how we can know what it is. He, tells, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, he tells you what you do, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, he says, which is your reasonable service, reasonable act of worship. And then he says this, that you may prove, I'm sorry, and, and saying, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There's a good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And the way I get it is by putting God in his proper place in my life, presenting my body as a living sacrifice, not being conformed to the image of the world and the things around me, but being transformed by the renewing of my mind, letting God's word just change me. Guys, you live like that, and you'll know what the good and perfect will of God is for your life. And again, I read a verse like that, and I know that there is a distinct will of God for me. It's clear, it's distinct, it's perfect. It's exactly what God wants for me. And God says, if you walk like this, I'll make it known. You'll know what it is that you might walk in it, that you wouldn't waste your life. So that's not how (laughs) how Balaam is walking. Balaam is, he wants what he wants, and he's just persisting. And so God's going to let him. Um, I, 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 I won't go much further, but I have one other story I thought of. Um, there was a man named Hezekiah. And uh, with, with regard to the kings of Israel, he was one of the best. He was a great king. Um, he was really one of the good guys. His entire reign, um, he had reformed Israel. He had put away all the idol worship. I mean, he did a great job. And then he became sick. And God sent a prophet to him and said, get your affairs, get your house in order. You're getting ready to die. And so that was God's will. God was going to let him die. And God said, get your affairs in order, get your house together. You're getting ready to die. Coming to be with me. And he was afraid. He didn't want to die. Um, it's been said that some people, in the Old Testament, they didn't have a, as full of an awareness of of the next realm as, as we have as New Testament saints. But he, he didn't want to go and he begged God, he prayed and he asked God to extend his life, give him 15 more years and God gave it to him. And if you want to write it in your notes, you can read it later. It's in Isaiah uh, 38 and 39 where it lays it out, all these things. But you you first read it and think, wow, what an awesome thing. God answered his prayer gave him 15 more years of life. But you know what happened over that 15 years? Up until this point, Hezekiah had no kids. Um, And some might think, that's so sad. But it was actually a good thing because in this last stage of his life, this last 15 years, it looked like it was the last year of the last 15 years. He had a son named Manasseh. And it ended up being one of the worst kings Israel ever had. His dad died. He took the throne. And it says that Manasseh came in. And as hard as his dad went to reform and clean up and make it right, he came in. It says that he literally seduced the people to worship other gods. He didn't just come in and start worshiping idols. He was like, hey, guys, come do this. This is all, you know, He was seducing other people to worship idol gods. And he brought the judgment of God against the people of Judah. And you go back and look and just think, man, had you just died when God said, get your home in order? Israel would have been spared. I mean, they had to deal with this for years. They ended up going into captivity behind this guy. The perfect will of God was that he would have just went on and died. But he got 15 more years. And I mean, just at the tail end, he made that baby. He died in his 50s, but he made made Manasseh. He made, he made a, a, a mega, I mean, you know, I, I hate to look at someone's child as a mess, but Manasseh was a mess. It was a bad kid. So we want we want the perfect will of God. So we pray to God, seeking him for what he wants, not pressing God or trying to bend God into our mold of what what we desire, what we want. And so moving on now, it says, so the Lord was angry uh, with him for this. And then um, verse 22 again, the Lord's anger was aroused because he went and the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as an adversary against him. And he was riding on his donkey and his two servants were with him. So when you see the phrase, the angel of the Lord, this is a Christophany. This is an appearance of Christ in the Old Testament before he you know, comes as, as Lord, before he comes um, through Mary. And so the angel of the Lord shows up in the unseen realm. He's opposing him. Um, Balaam can't see him, but he's there. Verse 23. Now the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his sword drawn in his hand. And the donkey turned aside out of the way and went into the field. So Balaam struck his donkey and um, to turn her back on the, on the road. And I thought this is interesting. I wrote down in my notes that his donkey had more spiritual sight than he did. The donkey could see the angel of the Lord and he couldn't. And the donkey seeing the angel of the Lord tried to avoid it and smash his leg and Balaam hit the donkey. Um, also wanted to point out, he's gonna do this three times. He's gonna beat this donkey. And many times when people are out of alignment with the Lord, they lash out against the instruments that God is trying to use to save them. Kids will be lashing out at parents. Uh, people lash out at spiritual counselors, spiritual, people that are spiritual advisors and whatnot. Those that are, are kind of at work in your life to guide you back the right way. People, when they're out of alignment with the Lord, they'll lash out against those that God is placing there to try to save you and redirect you. And so be careful about that. If God's put people in your life um, that mean you well. Uh, spiritual advisors, parents, um, those that are seeking to help you go the right way, be careful that you're not at war with them because you're at war with the Lord. Uh, you want to be at peace with God and at peace with those that he puts over your life. And so Balaam is beating the donkey that's really trying to save his life. Verse 24, then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path between the vineyards with a wall on its side and a wall on that side. And when the donkey saw The angel of the Lord, she pushed herself against the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. So he struck her again. So he does it again. Verse 26. Then the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the right hand or to the left. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam. So Balaam's anger was aroused and he struck the donkey with his staff. So first he hits it on the back. Second time he hits it on the back. This time the donkey just lays down and Balaam gets up with his stick, his staff, and he beats the donkey. Um, I, I had to think about this earlier. Um, I, I took Harmony's dog out, and, you know, I let him out to go to the bathroom, and um, this, 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 this dog, I mean, usually he'll just go to the bathroom, and then he'll come on back in the house, but lately, um, there's a house, two houses down, they got three dogs. They, I think they're all girls, and they, he's, he's not fixed, so he runs down there, and he's got a pee all over their yard. Then he's running up to their gate and they're like, they're, they're all, you know, barking at the gate and so I'm walking out, the I'm like calling him back. He's looking at me. Like it's, like it's like a kid. He's looking at me like, I see you and I'm not coming. He goes on over there and so I go over there and I'm, I'm up in these people's yard. Um, they don't really know me like that. I'm on this side of the car trying to get him and he runs that way and I'm on this side and I eventually just had it I took off my belt. <laughs> I did. I took off my belt and uh, I, I caught that dog in the corner and I just went, bow! I hit him, and you know, then he ran to the house. He, he learned. But as I did that, I was like, "Lord, is this, is this like? You know, I, I beat the beat the dog. That's what Balaam is doing here to this donkey. And I don't believe the dog was was trying to you know keep me from the angel of the Lord. But uh, here, Balaam is is beating this animal that you know is seeing what he can't see. Now, um, I just would point this out because I know some people really love their animals and. Um, God's going to actually speak through the animal. So let's, let's just look at it. Then I'll I'll say it verse 28. Then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey and she said to Balaam, what have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? Now, if I hit the dog and the dog would have said, what did you hit me with that bell for? You know, like, I'm just thinking if that would happen, I would be like, whoa, like I would be frozen. I mean, I've never had a dog speak to me before. You know, that would blow me away. Um, What must that have been like for Balaam just that the donkey just start talking? You guys, would you, do you think you would just freeze up for a minute? I think I would just be like, whoa, I would be frozen up for a minute. Like the donkey is talking to me. And then he doesn't skip a beat. Verse 29, it says, and Balaam said to the donkey, because you have abused me, I wish you, I wish there were a sword in my hand for now I would kill you. I don't know if it's more amazing that the donkey talked. Or that Balaam, without skipping a beat, just start talking back to him like nothing happened, you know? Um, just, this like, they just, like, this happens all the time. This is normal communication going back and forth with a donkey. Um, somebody that I read pointed out, you know, that ministers shouldn't think so much of themselves that, you know, they get to be God's spokesman, uh, because God even speaks through donkeys. And, 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 you know, many of us are evidence that he, he continues to do the same, you know? But here, God is actually speaking through this donkey. Why does he do this? It, it reminds us this, that God has authority over the animal kingdom they're, they're, He has authority over everything. And here he has authority over this donkey and he just speaks to the donkey. Um, some people will read a story like this and say, that's ridiculous. You believe that? Do you believe that? Really? I mean, you really believe that that's that's what some of the stories and scenarios in the Bible. Jonah, you really believe a a great big, people call him a whale, but it doesn't say that. You really believe some great big fish swallowed a man whole for three days and he spit him up? Really? You really believe it was a donkey and it talked for real? You believe in Genesis that the snake literally talked to the woman for real? Um, And I would say this, right? This is where as believers, I either believe that this is the living word of Almighty God. Can God do this? Yeah, he can. He can do anything. He says he did it. I believe believers, we have to be of the position that, man, this, this is what he said he did. I believe that we're to take the Bible at, at face value, um, not to try to allegorize it. You know, that probably didn't really happen. It's kind of an allegory, of, you know, to really kind of show us a, some people spiritualize the Bible. God says that he spoke through the donkey. He spoke through the donkey. And I think we just need to b- believe that. And um, again, there are people that struggle with this. And I believe those are people that have struggled with. Uh, if you struggle with those things, you'll struggle with other areas of your faith and your walk. As we coming up this uh, Sunday to Resurrection Sunday. For some people, that's a big, I mean, you really believe that he rose and he rose from the grave. He came back. I've never seen somebody come back to life. Um, and that's where, you know, we, we come back to the words. Like, Do I believe the word of God? Do I believe all of the word of God? Do I believe every word of God? And we need to be people that are believing it. God says he spoke through the donkey. Three times Balaam beat the donkey. The donkey finally speaks to him. And he says, I wish I had a sword, I'd kill you, verse 30. So the donkey said to Balaam, am I not your donkey on which you have written? ever since I became yours to this day? It's like sentimental donkey. He's like, man, I've been your donkey all this time, man. He said, was I ever disposed to do this to you? Um, And he said, no. They're just having an ongoing, the donkey said, have I ever done this to you before, man? No. Um, You know, then the Lord appeared, sorry, then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, verse 31. And he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his sword drawn in his hand. And he bowed his head and fell flat on his face. Now I want to point something out. This, this is amazing to me. He, this is, I look at this and I'm thinking, God, why are you wasting all this supernatural stuff on rebellious people? Like, you're wasting I me mean, donkey speak. How come somebody faithful can't see the donkey speak? How come he gets to see this, this, this wicked prophet gets to see the angel of the Lord, Christ, before he comes in Bethlehem. You're speaking to him directly. He's hearing from you right now. He gets his eyes open to see the unseen realm, to see God, you know, to see the angel of the Lord at this time. And he sees the angel of the Lord standing there with his sword, and God's showing him all these things. And, it, I mean, it looks like he's impacted. He falls down. It looks like he's humbled before the Lord and broken. It said he fell flat on his face. And verse 32, and the angel of the Lord said to him, why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come out to stand against you because your way is perverse before me. And God tells him what's wrong. God says, you know what? I I came out against you because your way, your way is perverse before me. Um, And I want to take a moment here. Um, God says, the reason I'm against you, the reason that I'm coming against you right now is because your way is perverse. What's he doing that's perverse? You want to curse my people for money. That's, per- that's not why I gave you a prophetic gift. That's not my plan for your life. That's not what I want you to do. That's what you want to do. Your way is perverse. And I would ask all of us just to check our lives. Is there any way in your life that's perverse? You know what perverse is? Perverted is a twisting of something from its original intent. Um, it's a twisting. It's, it's, um, this was the original intent for that, and now you perverted the way. You know, we would look at, uh, I would look at something like homosexuality and say that's a perversion of what God intended. God intended for a man and a woman to come together when a man and a man or a woman and a woman, it's a perversion of what God originally intended. Uh, There could be other things that are a perversion of what God wants. Now, if God created you, and he has, with specific gifts and callings and things that he wants to do through you for his glory, and you choose to go another way with your life, your way is perverse. God would say, I didn't create you to do that. I didn't create you to be about that right there. Created you for this thing over here. And so we could all evaluate ourselves before the Lord. Like, is my way perverse or is my way straight before the Lord? Uh, am I walking in what God has given me to do? And that's where we want to find ourselves. Uh, one of the glorious things uh, for New Testament saints is that they are people that were once perverse in their way. That because of the blood of Christ and the forgiveness of sins and the work of the Holy Spirit, they get completely transformed to where now their way is straight. We don't become perfect, but but we're people walking according to purpose. We're walking in direction, um, no longer walking in a perverse way. Uh, and God affords us that opportunity. He gives us the opportunity to do that. So So we should evaluate our lives. Is my way perverse? Is there any part of my life where I keep going, I keep pushing against God to go that way and I need to stop pushing against God?
0: Thanks for joining Pastor Bill on A Transforming Word, as he teaches through the Book of Numbers. As you listen to today's message, we pray that it has not only inspired you in your faith journey, but challenged you in your relationships. The Book of Numbers recounts the various struggles the people of Israel faced with those outside of their camp, but also within. Surely, there are difficulties you might be facing inside your family, your church, your work setting and the nation as a whole. But God is still here, and he's proven time and time again that he's not leaving you or abandoning you. So when you're tempted to get down and out, chin up and remember that he is faithful. The messages you've been listening to are in Ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. If you're ever in or near the Inglewood area, you're more than welcome to join us for church we meet at calvary chapel Inglewood every sunday and wednesday and you can get more information on our website at calvaryinglewood.org. you can also call or text us for more information our number is 310-245-4811 again that's 310-245-4811 if you're looking for more resources or ways to connect with us you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just look for the links on our website. Again, that's CalvaryInglewood.org. Well, that's all we have time for today. But Pastor Bill will have more to share from the book of Numbers next time on A Transforming Word.